Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In episode 10, we discuss the client-consultant relationship. What does it look like when you bring in a content strategy consultancy like Scriptorium? Hi, everybody. I'm Sarah O'Keefe. I am the principal at Scriptorium. I am in our podcasting studio in Durham, North Carolina on a sweltering July. And I am virtually, at least, with Bill Swallow. Bill, you there? I am here. And you are in Albany, New York, where it is slightly less sweltering? Slightly less sweltering and actually almost uh, sweatshirt weather. All right. Well, I'll be there in about four hours. Um, it is it is miserable here. I wanted to talk today about what it's like to work with a consulting company. I feel as though a lot of people don't quite know what they're getting themselves into when they engage with somebody like us. So we thought we'd give you some of the inside scoop on what that really looks like from from the inside. And I suppose the prison, prison metaphor is is apt. A few years ago, I was actually at a client meeting on site, and the project manager, my direct client, introduced me in a huge meeting with a group of her coworkers as her content therapist. And we all kind of laughed uh, before she said, no, she's actually the content strategist. But there was really some truth in that statement to uh, refer to us as content therapists. When you bring on a consultant, what you're doing is you're hiring us for our expert knowledge, our experience, and particularly uh, good judgment. Um, We have to look at the requirements that you have, the things that you want to do with your content, and balance those against the reality of your company. How far can we take you? What's a realistic delta from your current state to the new state? You know, how how far can you stretch And then, you know, the second piece of this is experience. Um, Bill, what does that look like? When bringing in a consultant, you're really looking for that deeper experience. So you're looking for someone who's been there, who's seen a bunch of things, and who's had a a lot of different experience and a lot of different situations so they can find a better solution than you might be able to find on your own. So we take a look at what other companies that we've worked with have done in the past. And we try to find patterns of similarities, and we try to find some of the outliers that are there as well. And this way we can match up not only what's been done before, but we can also find unique solutions to uh, those outlier elements that are unique to a particular engagement. And we also take a look at the overall operating spend, the overall budget, and try to find a solution that's going to best fit within those confines. Um, we don't want to say that you know we've worked with five other clients that had a $2 million implementation, let's say, uh, and then we walk into a, another office that maybe has a budget of maybe $50,000, let's say, and obviously those solutions aren't going to fit in that case. So we want to make sure that what we're looking at is going to be a good fit based on our experience and based on uh, the budget constraints. And we also take a look at the corporate culture as well and try to try to mesh with that as best we can. So we're not going in and imposing ourselves within an organization, doing things the way we want to do it, but we work within the confines of how things generally operate within each company we engage with. 
So the other thing that we kind of bring to the table, I think, is um, expert knowledge. And you're talking a lot about the experience side of things, right? We've seen this before. We've seen this pattern. In a company with similar requirements, we did this kind of thing. Let's take a look at whether that's going to work for you. But I think in addition to that, we also have this issue around we've We've implemented or worked with lots and lots of different tools and technologies, and where we have gaps, where there's something that maybe we haven't done before, we have the network to find the right people to get you know expertise in that tool set in. And we do a lot of research to figure out, is this the right answer? Can this vendor actually deliver on what they promise? So it feels to me like a lot of it is, um, is pattern recognition and also recognizing, importantly, you know, where the pattern doesn't match. Like, how is this project different from that one that we did last year? And Bill, I wanted to ask you, are are there things that are impossible to solve, you know, even if you throw enough money, even given unlimited budget or unlimited money, what are the kinds of things that can't be solved? So some of the things that we really can't help with are direct control over staffing decisions, um, things like uh, your budget and and other, you know, there are other elements like that that are operational and really are core to, you know, each company's own business. Uh, And it's none of our business to go in and tell you exactly what it is you absolutely have to do in order to work with us. We do like to have discussions around, um, you know, things like staffing, things like budget, things like uh, operational um, processes and so forth uh, to get a feel for exactly where each company sits with regard to those things so that we, we know where our boundaries are. We know what is possible, what's not possible. You know, is it possible to squeeze another maybe 10% into a tools purchase that would get you a next tier solution instead of a lower tier solution? Uh, is it possible to hire on three additional people to get more work done? Uh, these types of things. Um, but we're not going to, you know, it's not something that we can specifically say you absolutely have to do this. Um, that would just be crazy. And likewise, I mean, there, there's a lot of, of fear um, around bringing in a consultant because they, you see all these movies like, you know, for example, with Office Space, you know, bringing in the Bobs. You know, it's a classic example of you bring these people in, they're outsiders, they have no idea how you work, what your uh, problems are, and uh, what the people are like that you need to interact with, and they're just going to foul everything up. There is a big fear of change when you bring in a consultant because a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, they don't know us. They don't know the way we work. And, you know, why are they bringing in an outsider if they would just listen to our ideas in the first place? And actually, you know, it's, it's actually very common for companies to bring us in to kind of help move forward an idea that's already been percolating in the organization. But they just need that outsider perspective to kind of hit it home with whoever it needs to uh, be approved by or, you know, to get buy-in in other uh, parts of the organization and so forth. So we're really, I mean, we're really there to just help and figure out what the best course of action is going to be based on what you have available, where you need to go, and what your limitations are. One of the depressing realities of consulting, I think, is that and, and you've probably heard this expression before, but the people who commute on a plane have more credibility. 
So because we're outsiders, because we're being brought in from the outside, in a lot of cases, we can go in and talk to the executives and say exactly what everybody else has been saying and actually get somewhere with it. Now, there there are two reasons for that. One is the general, oh, they're from the outside, they must know, which is just, we, we just get bonus credibility for being outsiders. But the other piece of this is that we spend an awful lot of time talking with executives, which means that... Um, we've learned to craft, uh, not craft arguments, but we've learned to talk in their language. Most executives care about things like market share and time to market and revenue. Uh, you can make a cost reduction argument, but after a while, efficiency is just something they expect. Going and saying, I can be more efficient if you give me you know, whatever it is that you're looking for, that's not really a net positive. It's just sort of an, oh, so I'm going to get the same thing, but it'll cost me a little bit less. Most executives are concerned about I, I had four languages and now I have eight and I'm about to have 27 and next week it'll probably be 52. So how am I going to scale my organization and how am I going to manage these things? If I'm talking to a writer, an individual content contributor about issues around 52 languages, it's going to be along the lines of, look, if you do these kinds of things, localization will go better. If I'm talking to their manager, I'll say things like, we really need to craft a style guide so that everybody knows how to write for localization. And if I'm talking to the executive, then my conversation is much more along the lines of uh, your current localization delay, the time from when you ship the English and you get back the target languages, is six months. If you can bring that in just by one month, uh, the time value of that money is about a million dollars. So we think we can bring it down to three months or better, which means, you know, three million dollars. And that's the kind of thing that gets an executive's attention. They're not interested in style guides. They're interested in results. So, Bill, um, from our point of view... If we ask the question, who needs a consultant? I mean, the obvious answer is, of course, everybody, and you should all run out and hire us immediately. But, you know, (laughs) realistically, realistically, who really needs a consultant? You know, it's it's companies who really need more bandwidth uh, or they they have too much going on and not enough time to produce what they need to produce. So they need a more efficient way of doing it. Uh, So in that way, creating more bandwidth. Um, It's companies who have an idea of, where they need to go, uh, but they're they're stuck on a few elements. So they need that extra bit of knowledge, or extra bit of outside knowledge to say here are things that have been tried and things that have succeeded and things that have been failed given these particular uh, situational components. And it, it's companies who who just need to have, you know, they need that extra push. Um, whether they have an idea. Or they have they have an excellent plan. For example, uh, we actually have had several companies bring us in where they've already had a plan laid out, but they really needed someone there to um, essentially validate what it is that they've come up with and be able to essentially keep themselves on task and make sure that they're not being distracted from the critical yet obviously distracting day-to-day operations, the things that need to get done. In that case, either they will ask us to do some of the strategy work while they fight some fires, or we've actually seen the flip side where they'd ask us to take on some of the grunt work 
while they go look into or do some specific research or um, sit in on some specific um, webinars or, or tools demonstrations or something. Uh, so that way we can kind of keep both uh, initiatives moving. So it's, it's been a wide, I, for me, it's been a wide breadth of, of um, experiences coming in as a consultant. The majority of, of companies do like to bring us in to get that validation and to kind of get that help with where to go next. But in some cases, they do just need that extra hand to make sure that things continue to run smooth while they do implement a new strategy. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, I usually define it or I usually say to the customer, look, you have product knowledge and you have company culture knowledge. You understand your organization and how it works and your products. And, you know, we, we never have that. We've done work across every industry that you could imagine with every kind of content that you imagine. So we know a little bit about semiconductors and a little bit about cancer research and a little bit about biotech and a little bit about networking. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. But we don't have that deep expertise that people have that work in a specific organization. But the flip side of that is what we do have is deep expertise across lots and lots and lots and lots of different publishing projects with lots of different problems. And so we take those two sets of expertise, the customer's product and domain knowledge and our publishing content strategy knowledge, and we basically um, integrate those to develop to work on the project with them, right? So it's really a partnership, and we both bring uh, deep expertise to the table, and then we can put that all together. Last year, when we redid our website, it was really interesting because we brought in uh, some consultants whose job was to redo the website for us. So there we were on the other side of the table, and they were sitting there asking us questions like, what are your goals for the website, and what kinds of things would you like to see happen, and what things are you happy with, and what things are you not happy with? And it was really a little disconcerting to hear the questions that I typically ask actually you know, parroted back at me in a different context where we had to squirm and be the client and try and answer these questions that what we really wanted was for them to just go away and build the website and solve the problem. And instead they said, we need to understand your business and we need to understand your domain so that we can deliver a really good solution for you. And that is of course, exactly what we do with our clients. So it was a, uh, a sobering look at, at being on the wrong side of the table. <laughs> but it does hit home the point that you know, nothing, none of this can happen in a vacuum. You can't hire in a consultant and expect them to just have all the answers and, you know, provide you with a nice, complete and, and thick-bound report based on zero interaction. Uh, it really is a lot of give and take. And, you know, we try to work as closely with um, our clients as possible without getting in the way. Yeah, if you want somebody to walk in the door and tell you with 100% certainty on day one exactly what your solution should be, then what you need to do is go find yourself a vendor who sells a specific product and invite them in for a meeting. And they will tell you with great certainty that they can solve your problem. We are not that vendor. Our job is to weigh all the different options and pick the one that is best for what you are trying to do. And sometimes that involves software and tools. Sometimes it involves process. Sometimes it's a new strategy. I mean, there are, there are lots of things that could happen there. 
but you're not going to get out-of-the-box certainty without spending some time on actually letting us understand what it is that you need, what you're trying to do, and what you need to accomplish. I guess at this point, it's it's a good idea to dive into you know what a particular consulting project looks like, at least ones that we work on. Yeah, so lots of different kinds of things, but I'll talk a little bit about what a sort of typical project looks like. In a typical project, we get a phone call or an email, and it starts off with something along the general lines of um, a variety of things, but, but the end of the email is always, our content is broken, what can we do? Broken might be, like I said, 52 languages coming down the pipe and we don't have a scalable localization process. It might be we have never had to deliver this content in anything other than print and now we're being asked for electronic deliverables and we we just don't know how to get there from what we have. It might be it takes too long to produce our content. We need a way of producing this content more efficiently um, we have product variants and lots of conditionals. You know, these typical kinds of problems that are basically content scalability problems. What we will typically do is a sort of analysis discovery phase. And in that first phase, we'll go in, talk to everybody that we can, everybody we can get in front of, from your content creators to your managers, to your IT people, your QA, your tech support, uh, anyone that is interested in customer-facing content, and everybody kind of up the chain that's going to interact with this content or have to pay for whatever it is that we're proposing. So uh, localization managers, usually the um, whoever it is that owns the technical communication function or the marketing communication function, depending on uh, what kind of content we're dealing with. So we talk to everybody. Based on that, we build out some pretty standard stuff, gap analysis, needs analysis, requirements, recommendation, budget, return on investment, all that good stuff. Uh, we put all of that together and present a recommendation and say, okay, you know, you told us that you have this problem. And uh, our proposed solution is this thing. It's going to cost this much. It's going to buy you this much. This is what your return on investment, your ROI looks like. Uh, Here's a high-level roadmap. And now we need to talk about making this actually happen. So phase one is analysis, discovery, assessment. And then phase two is, is implementation. So once we get agreement on the strategy... Then we go forward to actually implement the strategy, which means figuring out, uh, are we changing tools and technologies? If so, how? Are we changing strategy? Are we changing style guides? You know, what about your content process is going to change, and how are we going to put that in place? How are we going to make that happen? That's the implementation side of this. And I think, you know, the key to this, we've talked about expertise and, and judgment and knowledge and all these things. But at the end of the day, this comes down to trust and relationships. Uh, we have to build a really, really good working relationship with the people inside the client company that are going to be uh, engaged in this work and that are going to have to carry it forward once we're done. We have to build trust. And Bill, you touched on this, you know, people are are worried about consultants coming in and and doing bad things. And certainly, I can think of some examples of that, um, where that fear is is founded. 
you mentioned office space. I always think of the movie Up in the Air, which was a terrifying documentary from my point of view. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, in which I hasten to add that I played neither one of the principals. Um, so, so trust is important. You know, people have to trust that we're going to give them good advice that will work and that will you know address what they're trying to do, and and work with them to make this happen and to improve their content processes or to improve their content strategy. As a practical matter, we do work on site. We'll send people on site to meet and greet and do, do what we need to do. But most of the time, we are we are remote. We're based in our own offices. Um, you don't want us moving into your office. You just don't. So we come out. We do a kickoff. We spend a couple of days. We get to know everybody. And then we go off and do what we need to do with a lot of web meetings and phone calls and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to also point out that, you know, that's a lot of the meetings and so forth will we'll come out during any phase of the project. But the primary, uh, I guess, the times that are a must to go out and meet face to face are certainly when we're about to work on the analysis portion or the discovery portion of the project. When it comes to implementation, it's more important that the company really have kind of a, a, a direct hold on what's going on during that phase. So there'll be a lot less um, direction, or I should say hands-on direction from from us at that point. Uh, it'll really be you know, the client driving the ship at that point, and we're there to support the implementation going forward. Yeah, our goal typically is to build the expertise in-house so that over time uh, we get less and less involved and the people in-house uh, you know, develop the skills that they need and they can, they can go from there. So I've talked a lot about relationships and I hope that this podcast gives you a little bit of an idea of, of what we are like and what it might be like to work with us. I would also suggest that you check out our brand new content strategy network. We, in the context of the content strategy network, we have office hours that are available for people to just sign up for half an hour to uh, throw ideas at us, do a brief intro, kind of get to know us, understand uh, what it might be like and say, hey, I've got this issue and is this something that you could maybe help us with? Keep in mind that, you know, in evaluating consultants that your relationship is going to be the key. Uh, we're going to have to work together for a long time and we need to make sure, all of us, that we can actually get along and uh, work together productively. So with that cheerful closing thought, I will close out this podcast. Bill, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm jealous of your weather, but just wait until January. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.